The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app, sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. Chance for you to win a million bucks, too. We'll talk mm. to you about that later. Yes, million, million dollars. And uh, also brought to you by Touchstone Electric Fireplaces. Get 15% off by going to zerodeadbirds.com and using promo code TTP. You know how many of those fireplaces you could uh, get for a million dollars? Uh, anyway, on the show today, our shit show of a team continues down their path uh, to just making every, every offseason stranger than the one before. They fired Brett Brown, um, crushed him with leaks for two days before that. So we'll talk about our memories of Brett Brown. Um, and then Elton Brand spoke today, and it seems like he is in charge. But Josh Harris is going to make a deep dive into the front office and see if there's anything wrong. So we'll talk about that as well. Get out your magnifying glass. <laughs> and also, we will welcome... Uh, boy, have, have we, I don't know that we've ever needed a guest more. Um, Thea Gallagher is a Ricky listener, Citrus fan, also a clinical psychologist, an assistant professor at the University of Pennsylvania, and the director of outpatient, the outpatient clinic at the Center for Treatment and Study of Anxiety. Mm. <laughs> we need her. And we were talking on the last pod about like what joy there is in being a sports fan at all and why we do it. And I thought we could all use some professional help right now, especially from one of us. So, uh, so I can't wait for Thea to join us. Um, the Bark in the Park team is open. We're going to raise $10,000 for uh, the Providence Animal Center. Raise 50 bucks, get the shirt. The shirt's fucking wild. Flames, skulls, dogs. Go to rightstorickysanchez.com to sign up. Uh, Bark and Park is uh, October 24th. It is virtual, but the money is real. And um, sign up on the, the YouTube. Um, there's a YouTube vi version of this podcast every week. So if you don't just like listening to people talk, you can see them talk too. That is, uh, you can write on this post on the website. Uh, without any further ado, Amos and the show. Daddy, sweetie, the man is here. Say the name. I say the name. I say the name. We will write y'all. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Gaskin, along with a guy who is a basketball guy to balance out the analytics guys, Mike Levin. Hello. Hey. I, uh, I was late to this podcast because I was just running through some fake trades. I was sitting <laughs> on my couch, got the iPad out, looking at contracts. We're there. We are. I'm ready to go. It's going to be a lot. Long, I mean, the off, like the you know, they had announced December, but it looks like the the next season probably won't start till February or March. So this this is going to we're going to pace ourselves. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you've been a guest on this podcast before, just 
get out your calendar, write yeah. something in. Yeah. Be near your phone. Yeah. So, um, so I kind of want to do this like sort of in stages because I, I know it's all connected, but I think every part of it needs it's just due. Like the Brett Brown part needs it's just due. Mm-hmm. The Josh Harris statement needs it's just due. The Elton Brand presser needs it's just due. I feel like we got to talk about all of them. Um, I wanted to start with Brett, if that's okay with you. Sure. Uh, so uh, I guess I would say that I was relieved when he finally got fired because it meant that I could be sentimental about him. Yeah. Um, and I, I do think... He also know, died. Yeah, he also died, which is... <laughs> a lot of memorializing yeah. a living I, man. Well, I, I just think... I mostly just want to talk about like the job he did here. Everyone said he was a great guy. He is a great guy. He took a lot of bullets for a lot of... Um, you know, for Sam, who we supported... Brett was out there on the front lines every day. Brian Colangelo, who was going to communicate with everyone more, actually tossed less than Sam Hankey, <laughs> and Brett was out there every day. Man of um, action. Brian yeah. Colangelo was a basketball. Yeah. All the hits. When Jalil Okafor was speeding and fighting, it was Brett out there. Like, it was Brett for everything. Burnergate, it was fucking Brett. It was Brett, yep. Brett, 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 Brett. Yep. And, and He's um, the, uh, um, just a real human punching bag for this yes. team. Just kept putting him out front. Over and over again. And, and by the way, you know, at one point in three consecutive seasons, he went from 10 wins to 28 wins to 53 wins or 52 wins, whatever it was. Um, and, and he was like, because they couldn't see anyone else, he was a lot of times just the one that when they didn't succeed, he would get blamed. I guess what I would like to say is I, uh, uh, he always appreciated us and the, the group like the the fans like in a in a very real way which i thought was awesome the two times he bought drinks the time he showed up at the live pod to stone cold steve austin music <laughs> but all of that aside i think he did this season aside when everybody did a bad job mm-hmm. i think he did a really commendable good job and like i i think uh keeping things on like as, as, as everything was spinning out of control, he always sort of seemed on track. And, you know, I think, uh, I think not just keeping, like, things sort of together without falling apart in a basketball sense. I think before the roster upheaval started, I, th- I thought he, like, was a, a good coach that did a lot of good things. And um, I think he, he will get another opportunity to coach somewhere, and I'm, I'm glad for him to get that. But I'm glad we had him here. And I, I can't think of another person another coach in the world who could have like survived all of this and gotten through it um in the in the way that he did so i just i appreciate having him and without him we like i don't know that it's not like this thing ended up good so far but i mean it it could have been a lot worse if there wasn't somebody in there who was stable and good and i I appreciate him yeah man uh seven years is a long time and uh he is a really just a solid guy across the board. Um, it was never really supposed to last this long. No. It was always the kind of thing where it's like, well, he's a good you know, de- developmental coach, uh, comes from the Spurs system, install a culture, be very, um, you know, kind of a rah-rah guy. Like that, that, was the, that was the job description almost. And just like be cool with... You know, handling the brunt of the abuse and 
there's a lot of relitigating the process that uh, is going on. I actually haven't weighed in on it, which I think is a good hold on my part. Um, weighed in on the relitigating of the oh, process yeah. that people yeah. insist on doing. Um, but Bre- I, it's it's tough because he was, you know, he can both be like a good guy that we uh, like and admire and appreciate f- for uh, for what he did for the team, the organization, us specifically, whatever. Um, but also, like we were, be really frustrated this year specifically, but also a couple in the past few years as well. Uh, be frustrated with how he coached the team and how he was slow to make adjustments and all that, all that stuff that we know. Um, and there's a lot of talk about like accountability. Josh Richardson had a quote saying, basically saying like he's a good guy, but like he's got to work on that, uh, which is not as bad as the uh, what some of the guys were saying about uh, Jim Boylan in Chicago. Um, who had the quote where it's like he's got to work, he's going to work on a lot of things like Wendell Carter. Uh, well, they hated him. Yeah, they hated him so much. Yeah. So it was a different situation where like I think the guys on the team liked Brett personally, but also were pretty fed up with how things were going. Um, well, and I, I also... since Jimmy got there in sort yeah. of a... Uh, shocking uh, how that Yeah, happened. shockingly yeah, for you. It was, was wonderful. Uh, yeah, I wonder why why those two things were yeah. coincidental. But, I, but I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad he, got, he got let go. I'm glad he got... He made a very, you know, classy, true-to-form character statement. Um, not thanking Brian Colangelo, really solid uh, yeah. little, little carrot for us. Yeah, um, the hundred two players also care. Like, hundred two players, name them all. He basically took Hinky's thirteen page letter and did two graphs. Yeah. Like, and I like I honestly good there. cuts, good cuts. Yeah. You know, you could tighten that thing up a little bit, Sam. So, so <laughs> Brett, Brett did the trick. <laughs> Sam, usually the not as long winded guy that Brett is, um, but in writing, Brett kept it brief. Uh, no, I, it was, it's time to move on and it was a good seven years and it was a very memorable seven years. It was crazy. And I'll, you know, most of the things were not his fault. Uh, but, uh, when I'll look back at the Brett, uh, you know, regime, it was a, it was certainly a, uh, impactful regime yes. ra- rather than the, uh, every other coach for the Sixers of my lifetime, which was just pain and annoyance. Oh, and yeah. General, like, dismissal. Fucking, uh, you know, Fred Carter and um, who's the guy that, the Princeton offense guy that I just, Eddie Jordan, Eddie Tony DeLeo. Yeah. Jim O'Brien. Just, uh, there's, just, there's so many of them. Yeah. Uh, Mo Cheek's good guy, but. Wait, Chris uh, fucking, what's his name? Ford? Yes. <laughs> yeah, he was bad. Larry Brown, who I hate. Yeah. Absolutely. Doug Collins, of course. Yeah. Did I say Tony DeLeo? He really left a yeah. mark. It's a bad. It's a bad list. It's a bad list of very mediocre coaches. And I'd, and Brett, you know, yes, he has one of the worst winning percentages of all time. I hope he wears that like a badge of honor. I bet he does. Um, but he also two back, two back to back fifty win seasons, which is the first time that happened in in this franchise since the Iverson. No, before they didn't do back to back with Iverson. I don't think. Oh, really? No, they only, they didn't do it. It was like high 40s for a lot of those years. I think they only won 150 plus and a one, maybe like a couple either, every other one. But, you know, good, just 
the reason that they got good is because of the two guys that we hit on in the draft, and Brett did his job with those guys until he didn't. I know it's time to move on, but I, I feel sad for him. We got this. I'll hold it up. I've taken a picture of this, but sitting on my desk is the, uh, oh, is yeah. the Brett Brown letter he wrote to us and the lottery party. Come on. Come on now. Wait, so a funny story. And, and by the way, wait, hold on. The note. The notes, of course. The oh, notes, sure. the notes. Um, process Hall of Fame, man. Process Hall of Fame. What, should we, he, like, and he was touched by that, and that's a nice should thing. We, should we send that banner? I feel like we should send a banner to him. I, I assumed we already had. No, no. Come on. We have to hang it at other events. Sure. Um, I, so last year, we sent out like New Year's cards to people, and this year, I got them made too. And they had me, you, and Brett on the front, and it said, uh, to 2020, nobody's going to be on the hot seat. And like two weeks into January, yeah, I right was away. like, I'm not going to send this. Yeah, right away. <laughs> so I have a whole box of them in the basement. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we should auction them. So thank you. Thank you, Brett. Uh, I'm glad that they uh, classically did it at 4.59 p.m. <laughs> after burying you. Even So though they- many. How many leaks do you need? Like, they can't just recycle the ones from last year. They have They're to keep f- like, yeah. and here's more of the... Jesus yeah. Christ. Oh, I mean, the, yeah. You know, the only reason that Trevor Booker didn't work here is because <laughs> Brett Brown's commitment to analytics <laughs> yeah. instead of the game. That's it. <laughs> Fucking crazy. It's the analytics. That's the thing that held him back. Yeah, it's always been the analytics. Jesus Christ. It's, um, there's so few, like, every argument is like one of, like, two and a half arguments. Yep. People are dumb. Uh, okay, so before we get to the brand presser, um, uh, when we brought on Zoe to write the newsletter, it was to do one thing: make money. No, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> to do, uh, to bring, we brought Zoe on to do the newsletter. Zoe has instantly added uh, like personality and character to the newsletter, which used to just be uh, selling people shit and giving them pre-sales to tickets. Um, and uh, over the last couple weeks. We've been talking to a sponsor about sponsoring uh, Zoe's Corner 3 newsletter. And we have a sponsor. Here we Here go. We go. Wow. You can see it on YouTube. There you go. It Philly. is a vodka sponsor. Yep. We another? are expanding our alcohol <laughs> repertoire. Yeah. Um, so another local business, stateside Urban Craft Vodka, uh, Philly. Um, officially, it's federal distilling. But the bottle is dope. Um, it's like it's like riveted. I, th- I think you would say. I love a rivet. Um, rivet. I love stateside. So stateside is going to sponsor the corner three newsletter. Um, I wanted, and I love that they're local um, because when they sh- when they shut down all the state stores, the local distilleries were the only place that you could get hard liquor. And God bless the local states, the yeah. local uh, distilleries. They have a um, they have a, a a shop by Evil Genius, right? Uh, I don't know where Evil Genius is. I looked it up. I looked it up. I, it's one of the, like the few places I've drank in actual Philly. Oh well, so they're um, normally they'll ha- they have like the uh, the tasting room or the tap room that's open that isn't now, but you can still do curbside pickup there. Um, so uh, a couple of things. First of all, I was talking with Zoe and I was talking to uh, Clement from Stateside. I was like, we should do a Zoe shirt um, for the newsletter for people who subscribe to the newsletter to kick it off. So I was talking with Zoe today about what to put on the shirt, and we decided on his pinned tweet, 
which is your biggest fear as a man should be getting yeah. roasted in a public setting by a group of Philadelphia school children. Where are you going in that nut ass tie old head will have you doing deep self reflection. Yeah, I think it's the first tweet I ever saw of those. It's such a good Maybe tweet. I fell in love with them. So we're going to put that, that text on a t shirt with our logo and the stateside logo, and then we're going to give them away if you're a newsletter subscriber. So go to uh, slash newsletter, sign up. Uh, sta- thank you, Stateside Vodka. Uh, I love that you guys are a part of us. Very cool. We're going to do a Ricky label on vodka at some point, uh, which will be awesome. So Stateside Vodka, Philly's number one craft spirit, handcrafted, distilled seven times. And get this, Mike, fucking gluten-free. Yes, sir. Certified gluten-free. Oh, I told um, Alyssa we had it, and she, yeah. she asked if it was gluten-free, and I looked it up on the website, and I was like, it yes, is. it is. Yeah, uh, the other places at Cecil B. Moore and Hancock Street, which is a couple blocks from Evil Genius. There you go. Uh, Zero sugar. Um, This is not the giant bottle. This is the 750, but um, uh, available in the Magnum 1.75 liter bottle. Um, Stock up for Labor Day at your local fine wine and spirit store. This is actually where I got this one uh, because they didn't send me any yet. So I went to the state store here in Springfield. Um, Or or go to statesidevodka.com. You can get a home delivery in the Philly five county area. And we're, you know, you know, drink safely and responsibly. And we're having a therapist come on in a second. Yes. Uh, But, you know, it's going to be a boozy off season for sure. Yes. Like my therapist told me. When I told her I was drinking more because of the pandemic, she was like, she's like, are you getting like hammered every night? I was like, no, I'm like having a drink. She's like, be easy on yourself. She was there like, it's go. okay. So um, and be easy on yourself when we talk about our gambling sponsor later as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so I feel like we got to go right to the Elton brand. Wait, presser. did you did you see, what? sorry, I retweeted it, but then he deleted the tweet. Did you see Jonathan Simmons's tweet? Oh, yes. Finally fired his ass. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan so Simmons, who <laughs> the Sixers acquired in the Markel Fultz fake trade, and so good. was barely his body was barely cohesive with itself, and like was couldn't have been more useless. Did look like at one point a player in San Antonio. Yep, but that didn't look like it here. No, uh, and it, I don't think he. I think that was the end of his NBA career, as so many, so many Sixers uh, were, and um, and then here we are, him him coming out of the grave to then kick <laughs> some dirt onto another person's grave. Just so unnecessary. Solid, really good, good good showing, Jonathan Simmons, and then deleting it some hours later. So yeah, by the time by the time it had been liked and retweeted seven thousand times, <laughs> it's such a great tweet, an all time tweet. So, so Elton Brand, okay. So Elton Brand does a, uh, a press conference today. A day after, here's Josh Harris' statement. We are really disappointed and we know we let our fans down. It's unacceptable and important that we all hold ourselves accountable. We're going to do a real assessment of how we got here and expect that more changes will need to be made in order to get these organizations back on track. This will be a crucial offseason for us and we need to get it right. Now, I, I want you to make no mistake. They would have loved to just fire Brett Brown and move on. 100%. But they weren't able to because we're all so fucking noisy. So I, I want you to understand, like, as you're listening, you need to keep at it. <laughs> so Elton does his presser today. So I, I actually, in a front office, I have no problem with Elton. Elton is smart. People like him. Um, he has a, a 
bright future. But it seems like what they've done. It's funny. Who do you mean by people like him? Like like players like him, agents like him, teams like him. Like he is very well liked. Like you remember, he was going to be hired as assistant GM for the Hawks before he got here, which I'm sure he wishes he took every day of the week. And and by the way, if they're letting him, like he said a lot of things in the press conference, like like that we've said for a year now that the collaboration thing doesn't work. That's that the saying the collaboration thing. I have a couple points to make before we get saying the the collaborations doesn't work is a total acknowledgement that he reads everything. He reads a lot of people's stuff and they all they always have. But I wasn't sure if Elton was because he's a former player and it's like, well, maybe he doesn't give a shit because he's, you know, he he was an all star for a long time and he's a good player. What's he doing reading people's shit? But that is an indication. Elton is reading. He's seeing the collaboration stuff. He's knowing that it's being trashed. Total joke. Uh, My second thing is when you said before the. uh, um, Elton is well liked, to- obviously well liked by the players. He and Embiid were teammates, um, mm-hmm. so that's not surprising. It's generally, you know, former players in the front office and in coaching roles are generally more well liked than guys who don't command as much respect. Uh, but as far as other agents or other teams go, they might like him because he's easy to fleece. Like that, that to me well, is not a no. not a hard. Not, I've I loved Vlade. Oh man, Vlade, what a man! He's the well, coolest. But but th- that's assuming that he was the one being fleeced. Like for sure. You, you know I I keep saying that, and and this isn't me. Like everybody's like, oh, you hit him on the podcast. Like, I I I don't think Elton Brand should be running this whole thing. Like he is clearly. Not experienced enough and to be in charge much. of all of this, and said that? That almost that. Yeah, he word said he for didn't word. know what he was doing. Yeah, he said he didn't know what he was doing. Tough, tough, tough thing to say. Yeah, and at least he's honest, and he is probably honest to a fault. But here's the problem: is that Scott O'Neill, the CEO of the team, like this is what happened here. Scott O'Neill is the conduit to the owners for the team. He yeah. tells them what's going on. He's like the gatekeeper, right? He once like thinks he's a gm basically yeah so he and by the he's the one that like he's responsible for in a lot of ways for sam not being here whatever he's got a real denethor vibe if you're any lord of the rings fans uh, i'm not check it out it's fine it wasn't for you positive. but it's a real denethor vibe he looks like him they dress similar he's gonna jump off of a long pointy building it's fine so he is is like he was you know Buddy, buddy with Brian, whatever. But he doesn't want anybody powerful in the front office because then he can't get his tentacles into it. Right. And he wants, from, from, two, from two different standpoints, he wants to be able to do it so he can market the team how he wants, you know, mm-hmm. so they can put people on waiting lists to buy season tickets that aren't really sold out. Brilliant and then he, Yeah, and he also wants to have a say in basketball ops. And he's wanted this for six years, seven years. And and the thing is, this whole setup, this whole collaboration bullshit gave him, because nobody in the front office had the hammer, he had more of a hammer than anybody else. And, and, and then the other two in the front office, Ned Cohen and Alex Rucker, were basically, basically what I, what I, what I perceived was they were going to give the job to one of those guys because they wanted to keep all of them, but Elton is the best forward-facing of all of them. Yeah. So they were like, he'll take it, 
but he definitely did not have say. And you could see by the press conference, because he's like, now I'm going to have say. Yeah, he couldn't say that. Before, it was kind of bullshit. Everyone yes. kind of, everyone gave me the title and was like, yeah, Elton's the boss. Everyone kind of like snickered behind the scenes. And now he's like, well, you made me the boss, so I guess I'm either going to act like the boss or you fire me. So this is now what's happening. Right. So, so. What I, a joke. I wanna, they kept I Brian's friends. Yes. So that they could just like have a, another human punching bag. It was Brett and, and now it's and now, Elton. Then it was Elton. It's like just a total, like these shadowy dickheads so, that just insist on never on passing the blame to everyone and, and just like texting reporters over and over again. Just like group texting saying that we are well respected. Just like copy and paste. We are a well respected front office. Just like what, who are they saying? Just like blaming everyone all the time. Right. Well, they may as well wear a wire. Like what assholes? Well, and, and all these leaks all come from them. All come from them. They all come from them. There was the, Not, Matisse, the Matisse line in Chris Haynes' piece, I think, comes from Matisse's agent. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, Matisse, well, remember, didn't he, didn't he go to Chris Haynes once yeah, before? the assistant coaches, that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, There's just I mean, so many dumb things. <laughs> There's so many dumb things all the time. Keep coming up with new dumb things. So they all, I want to be clear, like, like, Rucker's got to go. Cohen's got to go. And to your point about like, like you, when we thought we got rid of the guy who cared about what people were saying on Twitter <laughs> and podcasts, all I'm going to say is we fucking didn't. Like, that's all I will say is we didn't. Do not shut up until Elton's staying. That's the thing. He ain't going anywhere. Yeah. But don't shut up until the other guys are gone. That's all I will say. Do you think Don't that they're going to bring in... Because they should fire... I, look, I have, I have nothing against, against Elton, and I do think yeah. that he was, like, just shoved forward to, like, sort of, like, talk to the cops at the party when he wasn't the drunk one. Mm-hmm. And he was still, like, took the blame. But everyone has the stink on them now. Like, everybody from ownership on down has, like, total stink of, like... We sh- there's no reason we should trust you to run this ship in any sort of logical, smooth way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would ask that everyone be gone. Um, last podcast, maybe regretfully called for the chefs to be fired. And yeah, I, you know, can you take that back? I, no, I, I can't. I have some... to do it. I have to stand, stand by. Me. I never, I never take away a take. The chefs need to go. Uh, <laughs> they start. Maybe, yeah. There are many people with the team who I think should keep their jobs. Not the chefs. Um, (laughs) I blame them for Zaire. So, like, do you think that if Elton stays and say, like, a bunch of those guys go, I I don't think you know better than me, but it doesn't seem like Scott O'Neill's going. It seems like he's got his claws in so many different places at once. Um, I I think everything's on the table except for Elton. Okay. That is my... I think everything's on the table. Including Scott. I think everything's on the table except for Elton. Does it, but doesn't he have like more jobs working for he does. Josh he and does. David? But that's, remember, we have that, that Chaika guy, the hockey guy that we okay. talked about. I, I just think it's on the table, and I thought it, it probably was on the table a year or two ago. I think, it's, I think everything's on the table. Just give me and, a succession spinoff about the Sixers. Just yes. like, let me watch it. I see but, it. But you can't, you can't stop. Like you can't get bored because that that's what people like this want. They want you to get bored and move on. You you just can't get bored and move on. I don't think Elton's going anywhere. And and what I would also say is a lot of Elton's and we can go through some of the quotes, but a lot of when he would say 
because people were reacting negatively when he said he wanted basketball guys in there, yada, yada, yada. Who'd you My take that to mean? That he was talking about Alex Rucker. Not that, Scott. That's, no. Okay. A- Alex is a, uh, I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't understand basketball, but I, the perception of him is that he is a numbers guy and that he um, is a, uh, like the, I, I had heard that, you know, everyone puts, who knows who's choice anything is after it happens. Everybody wants credit when it's good. Nobody sure, wants credit when sure, it's bad. Sure. So I'm not going to say he was Horford. But when, when he was talking about when he was talking about analytics, I believe he was talking about Rucker. And then he very clearly, somebody asked if, if Scott O'Neill was going to be part of the mm-hmm. coach uh, search or Who something. Who asked that? I don't know. Because um, I, I saw the, hold on, I have the quote somewhere. Um, it is from, because Kyle Newbeck uh, brand on whether Scott O'Neill will be involved in the coaching search. Quote, to be clear and frank, we feel the collaboration days didn't work too well. I will be leading this search. Yeah. I, I do appreciate the power grab. I will say that from a. Everybody uh, else is grabbing. Grab. Yeah. Um, all right. Some other quotes. Do, do, you, do you think that if they yeah. say, say everyone's gone but Elton? Yep. All the chefs, parking attendants, oh, everybody. They, they don't even work for the Sixers. They're gone. The parking attendants. They're gone. Okay. Elton's the only one left for a few days until everybody gets worked in. Elton is parking in the cars. Elton is cooking the food. He's the only yeah. guy there. He's turning the lights on and off. Bugs Bunny. Yeah. Um, do they hire someone above Elton in like a Andy McPhail, Matt Klintak type of way? So I don't think that's impossible. Um, it seems dumb again. I agree. <laughs> well, Why are we doing this? Well, th- they don't do anything Elton's right. Elton's going to hire the coach, and then they're going to hire someone above Elton who has already hired the coach. Like, right. what a, what's the order? It's just I, scrambled. Yeah, I, I think they're going to sink or swim with whoever Elton hires. That, that's my guess, is like Elton will be... I, I just... My, to your point about everyone liking Elton because they can rip him off. Um, sure. Vlade got a, even before everything happened, Vlade got cheered at the, at the Buffalo Wild Wings lottery <laughs> party. They just, no, you can just tell. Somewhere just, in like friggin' Minnesota or Sacramento or wherever, Phoenix, some bar of fans is just cheering Elton Brand <laughs> out, of the, out of the blue. It's, it's the same thing happening. Elton's the new Vlade. Um, I, uh, I just don't know as much as I would enjoy him being here. I just don't know how he, having never been an assistant GM, having barely worked in a front office, having really his only vision of a front office being a total clusterfuck. Mm-hmm. This is such a, and this this specific time and this specific position, like here's the other thing is that like, not that we want to trade Ben or Joel, but you get a guy in here who has a fresh start, he's going to look at everything and go, all right, what's the right fucking thing? Not, not what's the thing to salvage this? What's totally. the right fucking thing? Totally. And I, even if Elton was qualified, there's a lot of like, uh, it's like tainted, Yeah. you know? So Zach, Zach Lowe had a podcast with our boy, Yaron Weitzman, and uh, 
Zach mentioned something that I hadn't thought about in that the ownership just like likes to move and shake. Mm-hmm. And they like to make trades and deals and, and call in the deals and then, uh, you know, high five after the deals. Fucking president deals. Like, what a cool thing. And so... Well, I like, remember it was Josh Harris on the phone with the Timberwolves owner finishing up the Jimmy Butler right. deal. That's right. Um, so I think there is always something to be said for, like, jazzing it up. Even when they hired Hinky, Hinky came in and was like, yeah, I would make, I would clean, clean up everything. Mm-hmm. This is, I would probably trade Drew because he's your only piece and he makes you guys slightly better above water, but everything else would, should go and you should, you know, bottom out. And so they were like, that appealed to them. And so I think, I do worry, because Elton said today he doesn't want to break up Ben and Joel. He wants to build around them. What a fucking novel concept. Um, I do worry if they do hire someone over Elton at some point, and that person comes in and is like, yeah, I'd fucking trade one of Ben or Joel, or Ben because he's not going to shoot, or Joel because you, know, you, you can't trust him to be healthy long-term or whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, there's the muddled messaging again. Like, what are we doing? Well, and and by the way, even if J- Elton is thinking about trading one of them, God bless him for not telling everyone like Brian Colangelo <laughs> did when he told, you remember the famous when he's like, well, we got to trade one of these centers. Yeah. You know, that, that worked out well. Uh, yeah, I forgot. Oh, someone said it. Shit. I forget who said it, but it might have been on the Zach Lowe podcast again. I've just been con- consuming too much lately. But the process, like starting with, you know, 18 straight centers and ending with... <laughs> 18 tricks, <laughs> power forwards and centers. So here we go. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I'm going to look for some other quotes just to see uh, what we got here. Uh, I'm not looking to trade Ben or Joel. I'm looking to compliment them better. I'll, I'll, thank you to Derek Bodner for writing down the quotes and Kyle Newbeck. I'll also be conducting an evaluation of the front office inf- and infrastructure in place. Change can and will be uncomfortable, but it's necessary. Like, I appreciate that. Do you think they're just going to hire Lance Pearson to run everything? <laughs> Just rotate them back. Bring in all the old process guys. Yeah. Uh, it's a difficult day for the organization. We had high expectations and goals, and simply put, we failed. Um, we're yeah. strong in a strategic and analytic standpoint. Get some more basketball minds in here, but all options are open. I, like, I agree minds. with a lot of that, and then you just like the it becomes a basketball analytics argument again. It's like it's both. It's always both. There should be someone. You shouldn't brand yourself one or the other because well, he's it's just both. saying. He, but he's saying both. He's saying we need more of the other kind in there, too. But everyone should be both. Yes. Uh, well, there are some people who are... Like, it's not like Paul D. Podesta was a baseball guy. He was just a numbers guy that the sure. guy above him knew how to use. That's fair. Okay. It really, it's just about, like, the manager. You just got to have the manager. But I don't there, think... So. In the same way that, like, building a team, you have, like, okay, one shooter. He does nothing else. One big man. Can't do anything aside from standing in the paint. Like, having guys with multiple skills, like the friggin' Raptors do... Of, like, guys who can, like, yeah, you can play inside out, whatever. It's probably nice to have peop- more than just the one person overseeing things who's like, okay, let me get my analytics guy, let me get my other guy, let me get my chef guy. I don't know. You just want to fire the chefs. I'm really coming after this. I don't know any of the chefs, personally. But I do, yeah, I'm firing them. Sorry. Um, well, well, actually, we'll just, you're here, so we'll say hi to you now. Hi, Thea. Hi, guys. How are you? Hello. So, so you have titles. Let me let me read off your titles, Thea Gallagher, and you can you can uh, you can check us if these are correct. Okay, cool. Um, Sixers fan. Yes. Big time, big time. Yep. Okay, Ricky listener. Yep, big time. Uh, clinical psychologist. 
That too. Assistant professor at the University of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. These are going in the right order. So this is good. <laughs> and uh, director of the outpatient clinic at the Center for Treatment and Study of Anxiety. Yes. All true. Wow. What are you doing here? <laughs> Honestly, this feels like a big moment. I'm sweating. It's a lot going on. This is a big moment for me. <laughs> well, well I'm, I'm sweating because I turn off the air conditioning vent because it's right over the microphone. Um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm usually sweating mid-pod. Okay, good, good. How are, just like, let's start it off because we got a lot to get okay. to. Let's do it. How are you doing mentally about this team? Not well. I mean, I feel <laughs> it's like. It's good to hear. I'm glad we're starting there. We're, we're processing through it, but I think I made the um, huge mistake of like, I was like, you know what? I think why COVID has sucked so bad is because there's no Sixers, right? You know, watch every game with the whole family. It's a big thing. And then um, they came back, and now they're gone again, and my mental health is worse. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. I think we've all been on that journey just thinking it would be better when they came back, and it's, you know, huge mistake. You know what I forgot while sports were gone? When they came back, I was like, oh, my God, sports are so long. The games are so <laughs> long. I didn't remember how long they were. It just seems like they go on forever. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I don't think any of us are doing well. So no. actually, we'll kind of go backwards. We'll sort of, sort of go back from where I was. Um, on the last pod, or within the last couple of pods, we were talking about how most of being a sports fan seems like like anxiety-filled. Like it, it doesn't seem like there's a ton of joy. <laughs> it's mostly, maybe that's just us, but it seems like it's anxiousness. Yeah. What would, A, do you ag- agree with that? And then B... What do you think people get out of it if, if yeah. that's the case? So I've been thinking about this, and I think as a, something of a scientist myself, I'm like, what's the control? Because I'm not really friends with like people who aren't Philadelphia sports fans, and I come from a long line of cynical Philadelphia fans. Sure. So you kind of wonder, is this just us, or is everybody as anxious as we are and as like self-hating and cynical. Um, So if it is writ large, um, you know, I think that there's probably, you know, a lot of anxiety across the board, but I think in Philadelphia we're specifically um, cursed. So I I guess like I, I sort of think of it, I was trying to think of what I, the same way I enjoy a horror movie, like that feeling of dread all the time. Like, is there a positive of the anxiety that we feel like when we're doing it? I just, I, I can't figure out what, look, this is my career now, right? Like I, I, I work in sports radio, I do the podcast, all that kind of stuff. If I'm just like a person whose job is not like Mike, a person whose job is not part of this at all, I just, I can't figure out like, why do you, what is the attraction? <laughs> Like, well, I think, you know, I think a number of years ago, I remember going to like preseason games, you know, with like Michael Carter Williams and it felt like, okay, but we're headed somewhere. Mm-hmm. Like we're getting somewhere. Like people just need to get better. Everything's going to be better. And then there was so much hope. Yeah. And then we kind of been killing it. So like, and then it's like been like this slow burn. I feel like in the last two seasons where all of a sudden it's like the writing's on the wall, but we're still like holding on to that hope. But right. now I feel like, this is really bad. Yes. Like, Slow is burn is a nice way to say it because Face it does feel music. like at this point my whole body is on fire uh, <laughs> all the time I watch it. Do you feel like 
So you listen to this podcast. How am, mm-hmm. I guess I'll just how am I doing it from to your ear? Spike <laughs> is a pretty even keeled guy, but I just uh, I've been worried about you. Have <laughs> I really have? I told Spike today. I was like, I was about to call the cops and send out a wellness oh, check. No. Like, <laughs> it's it, this it's is because okay. we do the podcast like right after the game, <laughs> and like yeah, most yeah. notably like right after the Kawhi shot went in. Like when I was I recorded the podcast on the ground because I couldn't move. Um, <laughs> After after I do it's a kind of like an exercising of like my whole yeah. thing, and then yeah, afterwards yeah. I'm like usually okay after. Yeah. But well, yeah, yeah. you it's not it doesn't sound great. No, I was honestly when you got apathetic, <laughs> I was really what I was worried because that's like the you know it's it's a one thing if you're upset and you're sad, but then when we had apathy, I was like, oh no, we gotta like send call the cops. This is bad. But then at the very end of that last pot, I feel like you were getting like a little bit. You're like you're talking some hope was in your language. Yeah. So I've been studying you, and I think you're gonna be okay. Wow. But I haven't worried about you. What a treat this <laughs> is. Yeah. <laughs> well, every what, what people don't hear is the the ten seconds before every pot we record after a playoff loss it's Mike signs on and he goes can we make this like a 34 minute one or something <laughs> it's like a short one <laughs> it's everyone and then then 19 minutes into his first rap I realized we're never gonna finish right, uh, in right. 34 minutes yep yeah. yep well it's good he's processing through it you gotta process through these emotions you know do you um like are there uh I guess from a bigger perspective, this has been my therapist has said that people are like, this is a rough time for people, obviously, uh, sports included. I imagine you've seen a wave of people like suffering from the like all jokes aside, suffering from anxiety, suffering from depression like you've probably never seen before. Oh, yeah. I, I tell people a lot like I've never been busier and it's like both like a good thing and a bad thing. I think um Sometimes I'm like, did it take a global pandemic to make people realize like mental health is real and important and needs to be addressed? Um, the just from a kind of a procedural perspective, they've lifted a lot of these restrictions for telehealth that we used to have yeah. as therapists. So now you can kind of have a lot more access to therapists, which is really great. But yeah, seeing a lot of people struggling with anxiety and depression, and I think you know a lot of the media is focusing on you know, COVID and the physical, you know, toll that it's taking on people and deaths and things like that. But there are a lot of people suffering with anxiety and depression, you know, suicidal ideation, people who maybe had subclinical anxiety, who never had anxiety before, are like, what is this? Or like, you know, um, I think I, I just did a media piece about like Michelle Obama being like, do I have low grade depression? Like, I think people are kind of like, I'm feeling things and I don't know, I'm not feeling great, or I'm a little more irritable, I have like less motivation. Um, and starting to realize like, oh man, maybe something like kind of bigger is going on here. Yeah. I have, a lot of people have reached out to say kind of similar things that you said to me of like, hey man, you sound (laughs) pretty alarming. Uh, After the podcast, you're firing a lot of people. You're talking about crazy stuff. You're injuring Celtics people. Everything okay? Uh, I just want to say I'm fine. Um, You know, everybody's (laughs) going through a tough time. So maybe it's a little worse because of the pandemic, but I'm, you know, no worse than everybody else, at least to my, uh, you know, damaged mind. Well, you're doing one thing really important, which is that you're like, you are talking about it. Because like, that's the problem when people internalize and isolate. And that's what, you know, during this um, pandemic, for a number of reasons, people have had to be more isolating and things. But 
Um, I think even just like, I think it's a great example that you call and you're like, can we make this pod 34 minutes? And then you get to talking and you're like, <laughs> you're getting it out, you're processing <laughs> it, you're connecting with your emotions. So like, even if it feels bad, it feels good. So that's what I think a lot of therapy is about, or even just talking to people in your support system, like get that out there, process through it. You're going to feel better in the long run, you know, trust the process. Sure. Do, <laughs> do you, um, <laughs> this sounds simple, like are, aside from hey, if, if you're feeling bad, call somebody or get help. Are there like like things that work for people that, like are there tricks that you give people that if you're, because not everybody, it's easy to say go get help, but like a lot of people just won't. Like are, are there, is there something that you tell people like, hey, if you're feeling bad, do this, or here's something that like, get a hobby or not to, are there things you tell people aside from that, aside from talk about it? Yeah, definitely. You know, one thing I've really been focusing on with people during like this COVID era is being really intentional with your time and what you're doing with it. Um, you know, even with an, uh, an upcoming election cycle, we know from the last one that there's a lot of anxiety and stress that people have even being on social media around that, like, kind of information between family and friends. So like, I think monitoring your social media, monitoring your news watching, um, you know, taking time away from your phone, um, you know, thinking about things that are good coping strategies. So if like watching the Sixers <laughs> is complicated, but um, you know, we don't have that right now. So what other things can you do that help you to like get out of your own head or just kind of help you to focus on other things? Um, you know, talking to friends and people that you trust and people in your support system. Um, I also, you know, encourage people to do a lot of like non-judgmental observation. So just kind of thinking about like, how am I feeling? What's going on today? Um, at the end of the day, maybe just noting down what went well, what didn't go so well, what did I do that maybe impacted how things went well? Um, and also just observing your like emotions. If you're realizing like I'm more irritable, I don't want to be around people, I don't want to talk to people, I'm snapping at my kids more. Sometimes the beginning piece is just assessing whether you feel like whether you're feeling not great, and then what are you gonna do about it? Um, and like my work, my like kind of real focused work is like having people like face their fears. So like I do a lot of exposure therapy. So if you're afraid of something, like I kind of help you to do that. So like maybe like for Mike, he might have to like watch the Kawhi shot. Like, but you know, like maybe he starts with like the first two bounces mm -hmm. and then we move up to like the three or the four, but you know, kind of I have to process through those emotions. Yeah. But like, that's something, you know, if there's something that you're kind of like, you don't want to think about, you don't want to face, sometimes we have to like face it. So if it's snakes or the Kawhi shot, you know, we gotta, we gotta face those sure. things eventually. Watch the Sixers like, you know, waste 20 seconds of a shot clock regularly, just standing exactly. around all that stuff. Uh, if you were, say the Sixers hired you mm -hmm. to be like a uh, mental health specialist and communicating and, and basically tasking with either publicly or privately, like, hey, we want you to like make these guys like each other. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. is there, or at least talk through their issues. Like, wh how do you yeah. think you would do that? And what do you like sort of armchair psychologists do you think the issue is with like, the culture around the team. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure in sports just generally, there's got to be a lot of ego management, you know, like you're, and you're trying to puff yourself up and then you're trying to like find your place. I think it would ultimately like, 
come down to like, you know, kind of a better together kind of mentality and like, how do we do this? And how do we level the playing field by like, maybe like they all talk about what they're not good at and then like give each other encouragement for the things they aren't good at. And like, because I think they're probably all the hardest on themselves and then they're getting yelled at for the things that they're not good at. So, you know, that's one thing I would do a lot of team building exercises, you know, make them, make them like try to get across a lake, like holding hands or something. (laughs) I think maybe just like, you know, just get in a circle, talk about your childhood traumas. Like they've all been through some shit, you know, (laughs) like maybe talk about like what it's been like and connect on those levels. I think finding the things that you can connect on rather than the things that you don't, you know, um, are, are, you know, would be a good thing. But I feel like there's a lot of mystery about what they're really the, the tensions really are. And I think it'd be nice to get into that. Like what, what, what's really going on? Because do you think like can, if Embiid and Simmons, the two best players in the team, the two, they're not the highest played players in the team, but they're they're universally seen as the most important. Um, and all we have left. They're all we have left. <laughs> do, are, and they're, neither of them are like vocal guys that are like bring everyone together type guys. And do you think that for like a group to succeed, if the third or fourth or whatever best player is the one that's saying like, come on, everybody do it. But the top people are still not kind of jiving with that. Do you think that that's a, uh, an obstacle to like group success? Absolutely. You know, and I feel like when we've had some of those other mature players or feel like less ego, like Dario. And and I think like, it just felt like, okay, okay, these are like kind of more of the parental figures and like those are the naughty children. And so it would maybe be like really great to get um, Embiid and Simmons in a room and we're just like, we're going to work through this until we get to the other side. We're going to get it all out there. Like, what do you hate about him? What do you hate about him? Like bring, bring all the things that you've been wronged. Let's work through it and like get to the other side. Cause it's so, I feel like that's what we, that's really what we need to get to the next level is we need them to like mature combined forces and be like, let's go do this. Hmm. I just don't know, you know, you kind of wonder if, uh, you know, Embiid is, it would be able to do that. Like, does he really want that? Cause I think with some of his like Instagram stuff, it just makes you wonder if he's kind of always, well, I think he, I think he's conflicted. He's a, he's a complicated individual. I think he wants it so bad and then he gets frustrated and then he does things that I think break down connection and morale. So, you know, finding a way to get him to like, really like, you know, join those forces with uh, Simmons, I think would be great. Well, I mean, he uses social media like young people use social media, you know, like I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I see a lot of people who are in their teens and in their 20s saying, you know, doing these, you know, sort of passive aggressive or trying to send a message because they don't want to have the hardest thing to have is hard face to face conversations. Like the hardest thing to do is to be honest, is to look. It's much easier to say to me and Mike when Joe comes on the podcast, well, if Ben shoots, it'll open things up for us, rather than if he looked at Ben in his face and said, it would mean a lot to me if you did this. You know, like nobody wants to have those conversations. And I feel like Joel, Joel more than anyone else on the team actually, seems to act, he's sort of mysterious in what he really thinks, but social media wise, he seems to act the way that young people act on social media, I guess. Is sort of yeah, and, it would, and I think that like, he has so much power if he like he could probably do all of that if he, you know, if he could get there. 
Um, you know, I think I have like betrayal trauma last year from his exchange with like Jimmy Butler on, on Instagram. Like I remember being like heartbroken. I was like, <gasps> like, what does this mean? Like you think of him as such like a diehard sixer. And I think that stuff like over time, even if it's like, you know, emotions or it, it undercuts like that trust and like connection. And I think it would be, you know, it would be amazing if there was a way to kind of like, kind of like get it, put it like have a clean slate and really like join up, join forces, especially because the city of Philadelphia is just so behind him. Well, they have been, but yeah. when, uh, if you think, so obviously Brett got fired, the, the only coach that Ben and Joel have had their whole careers, which is pretty rare for guys that are drafted that high. Usually there's a lot of cycling in and out. If you look at the top of the draft for a while. And so this is the first time that they're having a new coach. What would you look for in a new coach? There's a lot of people talking about like you need like a taskmaster who is the one to really like hold them to account and the word accountability is being thrown around a lot. What kind of characteristics would you want in a coach for those kinds of guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't know a lot about like coaching science. I'm now going to go on like a deep dive mm-hmm. of like what's effective. You know, I think some people like it seems like Brett didn't have like the total like you know, scream at you, like, you know, demoralize you kind of thing. It seems like he had a great relationship with both of them from, you know, from what I can understand. I think that's super important. Somebody who um, feels like they, like they both are acknowledged and, and heard because, like, I think you kind of have to have someone who's really good at balancing both of that. Um, and I hope, I mean, I think they're getting, you know, into their 20s. And so you wonder if there's a level of maturity. It might be nice, like, if they have a new coach where they kind of take the ownership for the team rather than the coach even like I wonder if that's going to shift the narrative where it's more about like hey like this is now like we're getting past that we're like young guys who are really talented like that we're older and we want to make a name for ourselves in the NBA and in basketball and like maybe they can find somebody who like you know that that they can kind of be together with yeah, I wonder if Brett, losing Brett as sort of the shield, he's been the shield for the team, but he's also the shield for those guys. I wonder if that will be some level of a wake-up call or at least some level of like a moving on. And I'm not like, right. I there's I think there's um there's the, the kinds of things that happen in, you know, like the last dance and, and MJ and being like psycho things that in sports that get very like, uh, you know, hyper-masculinity that gets lionized in this kind of thing. But um so I'm not that guy, but I do, I like the, I would love the idea of in a huddle, end of the game, or at some crucial moment, whoever the coach is, like it's Ben and Joel running the, running the huddle and then being yeah. like, this is the best here. This is what it is. Like them like being more vocally active. And so it's more of like a conversation because they know it so well and they trust each other and they know like, here's how we're going to attack this thing. And it's, it becomes a, a, a more, I don't want to say collaborative, any other word but than collaborative, uh, better way to just like just take ownership of it and then really feel like we're in this together and this is how we're going to like you know accomplish this thing yeah i don't right, because on the face of it it kind of feels like sometimes like uh ben is like the dutiful adolescent and then like you know if we're like a family and then like they you know Embiid's like the problem child a little bit but like i think if they could find, i don't think he's gonna Embiid's gonna do well with like a taskmaster no. who's coming in and like you know telling him exactly what to do especially at this stage in his career i think You'd need someone who's going to facilitate the egos, but also like give them ownership, but also like have like kind of call them to something a little bit greater than what they've been doing. I had a, a coach question and a fan question, but are are you allowed uh, with your job to sit here when we talk about a sponsor? As long as yeah, okay, you sure? Even mm-hmm. though that sponsor is, um, uh, 
don't call therapists. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> the sponsor is our uh, our presenting sponsor. Look, as part of my therapy is DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook is the presenting sponsor of the Ricky. Um, I have several open bets from the NBA season. By the way, Mike, the the Ricky $500 free uh, hostage Orlando pool can't close until Covington's done playing because the one of the uh, questions was who has a higher three-point percentage, him or Thibel. So it hasn't closed yet. There we go. Um, yeah. And I have several open NBA bets. So do I. Um, from I'm, the, uh, I'm, riding, I'm riding Houston and, uh, and Denver from before the season. Yeah, I have. What do I have? I have um, Bam Adebayo as most improved player. Um, ben Simmons, defensive player of the year, did not win did that. Did not fourth. We should, I guess we've talked about it now. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Giannis... Um, MVP. Oh, and Raptors winning the conference. I still have. Anyway, uh, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook, the uh, leader in one-day fantasy sports, celebrating the return of sports by giving away up to $100 million in prizes to all of their customers, including one lucky winner who will get a million dollars cash. Here's all you have to do. I just looked at this on the app. Claim your share of, of up to $100 million in instant giveaways. All you got to do is download the app, use promo code RTRS, and then enter the DraftKings Survivor Pool. It says right here, get your free share, get your share, free share of up to $100 million instantly. If you're on the YouTube, you can see. Pretty good. Um, I'll top take prize goes. Yeah, I would take it too. That would, get this. I will say, solve my low grade depression. I would say that. <laughs> yes, I think so. I'm, I'm um, confident in that. Top prize, the million dollar prize goes to one winner, but everyone who signs up and enters um, gets an instant bonus prize of at least $5 when they enter. I wonder, can I enter? See what my instant prize would be? Play free. Uh, it's going to take a minute. I'll tell you what my prize is next time. Uh, while you're in the app, you can bet on every different sport and you can do the casino games too. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code RTRS to claim your share of $100 million in instant cash giveaways and put yourself in the running for the $100 million cash top prize. That's promo code RTRS to get your share of $100 million in prizes only at DraftKings. Must be 21 or older. Pennsylvania only in partnership with Meadows Racetrack and Casino. Other terms and conditions and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Okay. So we're just talking about the coach, right? So one of the things that made me nervous was the first name that came out there is Tyron Liu. Tyron Liu is represented by the same agent as Ben Simmons. And like... How important do you think it would be that those guys, especially given the dynamic of it all, see this guy as like specifically fair right now? Like it, it seemed like a problem to me that he would be represented by the same thing. Do you think that that is something that would be important? Absolutely. I think um, I think that we've seen that, that that's like just like really important. And I think that, you know, Embiid is emotionally sensitive appropriately so like I think when people are like you know I think he's he cares a lot but I also think you know he wants to feel valued and I think you know to be at this level of sports you have to have a big ego you have to believe in yourself enough to kind of keep doing this so I think there's gonna have to be somebody who feels super fair it's like in marriage therapy like if you go in and like the therapist is like favoring, you know, the husband or the wife, it's not going to work. You got to favor both people and you have to make both people feel like you're in their corner. And I think, I think just starting, even if it's 
kind of benign, I think that'd be problematic. We need someone who's going to even, you know, just feel really um, balanced for both players. Would, like would like they it? should interview them together and like maybe that's how they'll bomb, like you know, that they interview the coaches and they decide on a coach together. Yeah, they're just being a little like dorky plan. suits and they're like, OK, yeah. here we are. <laughs> like maybe both in tuxedos. We leave like, it up to Ben Simmons and, and be, but they have to decide together and they have to. It's like a jury, yeah, you know, have they to have agree. to come to this. Conclusion I think it's nice. I think it's really nice. Elton did say he's going to talk to them and see what kind of what they want in a coach. So I think that's. Like involve them in the organization. Yeah. And freaking give them an ownership stake. Here's a point exactly. in ownership. Like you, you, you guys own the team now. Stay. Right. One, <laughs> make this work. Um, my last question. I don't know if Mike had anything else, but my last question was: So you're you're a Sixers fan, not you, but like a person, a Sixers fan, is like devastated by the the them getting swept. Devastated by how the um, organization's been run goes on Twitter, just makes himself even madder by arguing with me or somebody else about the same fucking thing. What do you tell a person that is in like a cycle like this with something that they do in theory enjoy, but seems to only give them like pain? And, it, and if it helps, you could direct that directly to me. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Step away from Reddit. Um, I mean, I think like it's like, so we're going to, you're going to, you're already there. You're getting there where you're going to find hope and you're going to start thinking, okay, we're getting rid of people. And so we can dream, um, you know, we, we can dream about what could be. And so I think having the hope that like, maybe it's time for a change. And, um, you know, I think similar to when like the Eagles got so close for so long and then all of a sudden it just felt like, okay, but what, like, it's not enough. And so maybe now we just got to revamp, regroup and, hopefully hold on to the two best players in the league and make something happen. And so I think like I'm with you guys though. We got to like clear the bench and hopefully that happens. Um, if that doesn't happen, I think like people are going to have to find other coping, but um, <laughs> I, 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 I think that would give us hope if it's like, all right, we're cleaning house. Like let's, you know, we still have like two core process members. Let's see what we can do with this. Um, so I kind of, I hope I, I hold on to hope and also though just radically accept like like I'm always gonna be a Sixers fan like this just like even if I hate them and I'm like I hate this I'm never watching again I'm gonna burn all my stuff you know it's at the end of the day it's in our blood so we have to just radically accept it and then sometimes lean into the the cynicism of it all and, and uh kind of enjoy that too yeah I think that that is a part of my and like our identity as being this mm -hmm. is just kind of who we are we are I think there are there are groups of people and fans specifically that would just like ride for their team no matter what. And I take pride in not doing that and 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 holding them account. I care about these idiots and I will uh, exercise my right to criticize them and scream at them as much as I want. Yeah, right. we don't even know who we care about anymore. It is we're fighting for like a, an ideal that might not even exist. Yeah. It's yeah. I think we're gonna hold on until like the last piece of the process is gone. So you know, kind of like at the last lottery party, you would thought like we really had the chance to get something good, and we were all like freaking out. It was like really low low end, but we were still like hype. And I was like, this is kind of fun that we're all having a fun time when there's really like a very low chance anything great's gonna happen. But <laughs> I think if we can hold on to that a little bit longer uh, with these two great players, and you know, that could be you know what keeps us going, and then we'll we'll finally put it to rest one day. That sounds nice. I hope they hire you. 
<laughs> um, Me too. Do, do you want to mention your Instagram or anything or your Twitter? Do you, do you want to send people somewhere? Plug something. Do, yeah. Do you want to plug something? just i'm thea gallagher id on instagram it's not very exciting but you know if you ever need any therapy or help i'll i'll get you connected to the right people and um you know you know if you have sixers related trauma and anxiety (laughs) we'll start a support group we'll get things going um but i i see you i feel you it's a hard time for all of us but um you know we'll we'll get to the next season (laughs) i have to be honest with you mike um on one hand she was very worried about you which i she texted me about that. She was like, is Mike okay? And then mm-hmm. on the other hand, uh, as far as Sixers go, she seems like she's as, dis- like, as uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I don't think she can be any help in that particular way because she feels no. as far gone as anybody. That's right. <laughs> I worry about anybody with a real job that cares about this yeah. game. <laughs> so, uh, so on Saturday, we're, we're going to go back to... Sixers news aside, unless big things happen, we're, we're going to go back to our normal sort of one midweek, one weekend schedule. We have about a, a zillion emails to get through. Um, we'll have some coaching updates, yeah. perhaps. I really hope that they hire at least at least fire some people in the front office before and then they hire, hire a couple new ones yeah. before you hire the coach. It, Just some give me some what of a straight line it's a we don't need to be doubling back and doing weird things out of order it's amazing to me when people asked me yesterday and today so who are you thinking for a coach i'm like i i gotta be honest i don't even care like what i care is that they get the right people in the front office and let them pick the coach i don't know who that i i will say though and it's a shame that i see the 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 clutch line as being weird with ty lu michael connor has really talked me into Ty Lue. He really believes yeah. in Ty Lue a lot. Um, I mean, first of all, it'd be funny to have Teron Lue in Philadelphia. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's sort of, yeah. as far as the step over yeah. Iverson situation, it would, uh, it would feel like a, a full circle, and we, and we, like, we like that uh, thematically. Um, he's a, a former player who has a lot of coaching experience and won a ring and has dealt with Obviously, big personalities before. Like, I, I don't pretend to know. I don't think anybody really does. You can't, you can't know what coach is right for what until you've seen mm-hmm. it, you know? And so, and I think a lot of coaches, even if they've had success somewhere or been unsuccessful somewhere, uh, a lot of that is personnel and just, like, guys that they have. And so um, I just look at, like, I look at Dallas. We'll, yeah. we'll talk about this more, but as a teaser. But I look at Dallas, and Luke is obviously very good and, and and like you know, very incredibly impressive on this on this stage. But people compliment his passing a lot of being so like what the vision he has, and it just obviously he's good and he makes incredible tweaks and and, and adjusts on the fly. But like it's just knowing where people are going to be. Like ninety percent of passing is knowing that your teammate is in the corner, be in like the you're right knowing spot. your guy is right there, knowing that we're gonna you're gonna be able to like throw this lob to this guy because he's going to be there on the on the back end. Like that's that's almost all of it. And the Sixers this whole season just like never had any spatial awareness, any court awareness. Like all of it trickled down. To, it seeped into every part of the team. And so we need better passers, but we also need better spacing and a coach that will put the right guys in the right places. Because even when even when Luke is not on the court, Dallas is still just like spreading the court. Driving by, Tim Hardaway Jr. makes like one move to get by somewhere. Somebody co- collapses, kick out to Maxi Kleber, an open three. Like that's, it's these are not like excellent NBA players. It's like 
fitting a system, getting guys to buy in, and and then just having some level of like you know quick decision makers in your team. Well, it's getting and you know it's definitely both too because you look at you know there's somebody that tweeted us earlier that he would trade five first round picks for Carlisle. You know, you look at the three years before this year, Carlisle's winning like 30 games. Like, he's a good coach, obviously, but there is, it is both. And, um, you know, like, I don't know, getting guys to buy in also takes guys that are, I, th- I think there's some, when there's a hierarchy, a very clear hierarchy, I think it's easier to get players to buy in. Like, I think everyone on that Dallas team like looks to Doncic as like the guy. I yeah. think on this team, I, I, I sort of felt like it is both. It's the coach and the players. Everybody was sort of doing like their own thing and didn't right. think they were being used the right way. And I don't know, what a fucking disaster. Yeah, yeah. I we'll see. Yeah. I would like. Uh, I, you know what I'd like? Obviously, hire some people in the front office first. I would like a bunch of interviews. Yes. Don't just hire. You know, I mean, I get that there's a clock because these guys might get scooped up, and if you have your guy, you have your guy. But how many times in a row have we had, like, an interview and a half, and then, like, over a long weekend, it's like, we got our guy. We have him. He's gone. He's here. Um, I just feel like since Hinky hired Brett in that August, seven years ago, almost to the day, uh, it's just been... Just instantaneous, like, you know, like, like there's just a burning a hole in their pants. I got this friggin' job opening, and I got to close it right away. That was the last interview the Sixers did was the one, the Brett Brown interview. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just been like my kid. Here's my kid's good. Well, and Hire my the kid. other thing is don't be so scared of losing out on a guy that you don't talk to other guys. Like, there are a lot of coaches. There's a lot of coaches. Just don't, don't rush into one. I, like, don't let one say, you know, I got this interview over here, you know. Um, yeah. Don't panic go into somebody because you're worried there won't be somebody else. There's always somebody else. Let us panic. You guys are the ones making the decisions. Yeah. You should have the control. And too often it feels like they're the one just spazzing out all the time. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't working. We're flailing in the wind. We have to do something. Quick. Chill out. Jesus Christ, this fucking team, man. Just relax. I feel like we, we haven't used spaz out since uh, Jonathan Simmons was here. Yeah, it's a double Jonathan Simmons. I, it's a really I, Simmons I, Somebody emailed us that I guess that phrase in maybe in Australia, spaz out is not something you're supposed to say that's offensive. Mm. It's funny. They say the C word in Australia like it's nothing, like it's, like, you know, like it's water. Um, all right. Well, we will talk to you this weekend. We'll get to your mailbag questions and hopefully... Uh, the front office will be lighter a little bit, a little bit lighter, a little bit lighter. What a, t- what a team, what a time, what a team. Meanwhile, we didn't even get to this because there's, it's still, up. but like the friggin' New York times report about Josh Harris's business partner having like business ties with Jeffrey Epstein. Uh-oh. Like, what are we doing? How's this all the time keep happening? What are we, Bro, me- what random hurricane national disaster, natural disaster is just going to keep happening through this team? Just like be a normal organization, you lunatics, for once. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> Ask me the question. I'm going to keep saying shit. I don't even remember what the question uh, Oh, the end question. Oh, okay. Are you down, down with TTP? Yeah. You know, like face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If, if you, you don't, don't fuck, fuck with me, me, then I won't fuck with you. Will you? <laughs>
If you don't fuck with me, then I, then won't, I won't fuck, fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Fuck the friend.